virtually driving through Fresno on this episode of Made in California. I was 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 made in California. Hey, everybody. The road trip continues, and today we're in the Central Valley, listening to and learning from California small business owners and leaders as they work to reopen, focused on the health of their employees and customers. As Isabel Guzman, our director of the Office of the Small Business Advocate and host of these conversations, frequently says, Main streets define our neighborhoods. Small businesses are the touchstones of their communities, the fabric of our collective lives, and the men and women who run them are the soul of our innovative economy. As we continue our exploration around the state, we are also reminded of what Governor Newsom says. We are many parts, but one body. And that means county variations, regional differences, all within one California. While we work to reopen, we must do so in a collaborative and inclusive way. Our individual actions don't just impact the future of our immediate community members, they impact neighboring communities as well. We won't succeed unless all regions rise and recover together. We won't succeed unless all business owners, regardless of race or gender or zip code, are considered and included in the conversation. We're excited to listen to these men and women with you as we continue our travel across California, learning from our indomitable small business owners as they adapt and pivot to this new marketplace. I was made in California. I was made in California. I'm so excited to be talking to small business owners and technical assistance providers and great business leaders throughout the state and just trying to understand a little bit more about small businesses and the challenges that they're facing and reopening safely and understanding the guidance as well as the opportunities they are seeing uh, it going forward. And so I'm, I'm joined today by Yeri Olivares, who's the COO of the Fresno Area Hispanic Foundation. And so glad you could join me. Thank you so much. What has been the most um, you know, difficult things in trying to help small businesses uh, in the Central Valley in understanding some of these nuances of the guidance and how to reopen safely? There's been a lot of confusion, especially the businesses that we serve, which are primarily Hispanic. There's that language barrier. When they, when they heard for the first time that some businesses could open, our community thought that everybody was going to be able to open. Being able to communicate that to them is what uh, you know we have um, found ourselves doing the most is literally um, hand holding them and walking them through the process and say okay you know unfortunately your business is not ready to open yet or you know your business can open now but you have to have these measures and you know we have the local uh, city measures and then we have the the county and then we have the state and it's been challenging especially when it comes to the industry that they're in right we work with a lot of beauty salon owners for example and so they were the ones that were concerned the most you know being able to access some of the federal funds and relief funds you know there's just been confusion all around and so we've tried to address individuals you know according to their industry and according to the specific needs that they have and you know going back to the language you know having to provide that to them in our case in spanish as well 
the foundation has been a leader in terms of trying to provide access to capital to underserved communities that have not you know traditionally had access and so how are you navigating both of those issues and are you finding that folks are needing capital to relaunch you know a lot of the businesses that we serve are still cash driven nor do they have a website or can take payments online and so we have been able to guide them so that they can use this as an opportunity and use technology so that they can you know should something like this happen hopefully it doesn't but should something similar happen then they don't have to worry about completely shutting down their business they can still sell online and the capital is something that's huge it's necessary particularly for a lot of the community that we assist which are individuals that don't have a legal status here and that could now benefit from some of the federal funding that was being you know offered and some of the relief funds and i think you nailed it right it is about making sure that whenever they do need to shut down that they have those tools to build their resilience uh, in order to sustain themselves. And I think, you know, businesses have really been thinking more about resilience than they ever had before. And so it sort of brings me to the next topic. I hope you're okay with us talking about this as well, but just in terms of the last several days, um, you know, of protests and, and uh, you know, civic unrest, I'm just curious, you know, how, how you feel that either the, the, the businesses have been able to sustain during this time as some have had to close, uh, you know, during this this uh, curfew, blockout periods, etc. We are, you know, a, a Latino-based organization. We have been serving the Hispanic community for many years, and we support, you know, equality and and and, and equal justice for everybody. And we did have a very good non-violent protests here. People just trying to get the word out. Uh, but you know, we're going back back to the same thing, making sure that the small businesses have a plan so that, you know, should they have to shut down again, that they can move forward without worrying that they're going to open up again. I know that, you know, small businesses are leaders in their community. And I think, you know, now uh, more than ever, it's the time to be that foundational, you know, source of um, support and communication for their communities. Oftentimes they're the, the center, they're the fabric of the neighborhood, I like to say, but they're also like the center of discussions, especially some of the uh, beauty shops you're talking about or others. And so are there any thoughts so in, that you would want to add in terms of, you know, how how you feel the community, especially the Latinx community that you serve is is feeling right now during this time and, you know, what the, the state can do to support them at this point? You know, a lot of the feedback that we are getting is that people are still struggling, right? It's like, first, they wanted to open. And we, it's been a learning process for all of us. The whole COVID-19 pandemic just kind of caught everybody off guard. And people are still concerned. They, they struggle to pay their bills. And so now people feel like they're, they're behind trying to catch up, but they can't catch up quite yet. We're still getting a lot of uh, phone calls of just people asking for help. People need funds. They need access to money. They need access to capital, whether it's a, a zero interest or very low interest loan that can be deferred, you know, payments can be deferred, or whether it's, you know, in the shape of a grant. That's what people are needing more than anything right now. Well, thank you so much for your insights and all your hard work that you're doing in the Central Valley. Thank you. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you for having us. (laughs) 
Next, we're joined by one of the Fresno Area Hispanic Foundation's clients, Lillian Arizola, owner of Senor Aji Peruvian Bistro. Lillian, tell us a little bit about how COVID-19 has impacted your business and how you've adapted. We've been in business already for four years, you know, before all these COVID-19 things were actually, you know, started getting finally settled after the few years that when you first opened things don't actually go that good, but, you know, working hard, letting people know in Fresno about our culture too because a lot of people here they are not familiar with that uh so when all these situations happen with the COVID-19 so we needed to pretty much close the restaurant only for takeout you know the sales they dropped into like 80 percent it was really hard all of our employees we pretty much like let them go we're just kind of like working around and trying to somehow sell something at least now you know after following the guidelines with the governance, trying to see when we were going to be able to open and, you know, just to follow everything. It was really hard, too, because, um, for example, some of the products that we're trying to get some hand sanitizer, it's so hard to find hand sanitizer. Like, the same thing with the paper bag for, you know, for the takeouts and, and all those kind of little things that now we have to do. And because they're taking so long, so it makes it hard for us to try to get everything to the point where we feel comfortable, not only for our employees, but for our uh, customers as well. The loans that, you know, the state was giving us, is still hard because, for example, we didn't get any of that. We're still on the lease, like, waiting, you know, to see when actually we can be able to get some money to start up because buying all these new products is, is expensive too. You know, even right now, we want to buy, for example, meat for one of our top sell um, dish, and it's, the meat, is, the beef is really expensive right yes. now, and you can only buy like you, you know, so it's becoming really hard for us. The landlords there don't want to pretty much deal or, or give us any, you know, I don't know, relief or something. They're just saying, okay, I mean, we're not going to charge like late fees, but it's still like we are not making the same like before to actually be able to cover our utilities, our payroll, our rent. So it's, it's a really big struggle right now. And, and you were not eligible for some of the capital, the programs that they had at the federal level, the Paycheck Protection Program. I understand that Bannock Area Foundation as well is trying to ensure that you know, some folks have access to capital where it wasn't. But I, I know that it's extremely still difficult to get. With the gradual reopening, I know that it's been impacted in the last few days, as you mentioned, uh, by the protests and people concerned about how their businesses are going to survive during that time. Have you decided to close during that time completely or do you're still doing the takeout? We're still doing the takeout. Everything is actually one thing after another one, so you don't really know what to do or, you know. How? What are your sales like now? Really, really low. For example, on March, when everything happened, like the first two weeks, they were okay because, you know, it was still the beginning of all this situation. The, the two last weeks from, from March, they were they went down like completely. What type of um, assistance or programs do you think would be most helpful to you know help businesses like yours reopen safely? Well, I think at this point it's something that at least it can help us um, to work with our our lease with the landlords, have capital to buy the stuff that we need to be safe to open. You know, because like I say, all that is expensive now. I mean, because going in the other way with the payroll, I mean. You know, now we're working with pretty much like 50% of occupancy, 
Um, so that means that we cannot bring all our employees at this point either because, you know, we, we do not have, we barely can have on a Saturday night, I don't know, maybe like three tables. So like I said, you know, some kind of like programs that can help us dealing with that, it would really mean a lot, you know, a lot of help for, for the small businesses. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your story. It's really valuable to hear. Um, you know, we've been listening throughout the state, but as well, just, you know, capturing how businesses have been trying to survive and what they've been doing. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for having the time to actually hear for what we're going through. People always talking about living their dreams, but it's not as easy as it seems. It takes courage. Having spoken with our friends at the Hispanic Foundation, we see that businesses need capital and advisory services to adapt to this changed marketplace. Let's jump into our final discussion on our Fresno stop. I was made in California. I was made in California. We're gathered here today with a few business leaders from Fresno, California, uh, that Tara Lynn Gray from Fresno Metro Black Chamber of Commerce gathered together, uh, Wendell from Imperial Electric, Dr. Rochelle from Ally Psychological Services, Corey from Scrub Can, and so I'm really pleased that all of you have joined with me today to talk about a few issues. And so, Tara, if we could start with you, we've been talking to business leaders, organizations like yours who are, are on the ground, working with business owners trying to ensure that they've survived this time period and I know you know we've had conversations about this before you know people of color have withstood quite an immense impact from COVID-19 and including our businesses uh, some of the the numbers are jarring and so as we look now to reopen and as we look to make sure that our businesses are sustained with capital and everything else I'm just curious if you could share in your words what's been happening in the Central Valley and, and what's been most critical to keeping these businesses surviving? As I said before, it is an unprecedented time and it is a very difficult for all small businesses. Small businesses owned by women and people of color have been particularly um, impacted. We already had crises in terms of equity and access to capital prior to the pandemic and I think the pandemic has exacerbated that. But I think one of the cool things about the folks that we um, have joining us today is that they have pivoted and they have created new business models and tweaked their old ones to be able to continue to operate and keep the money coming through the doors at this time. Wendell, if you don't know if you could jump in first and just share a little bit more about uh, your experience during this time, what has been most valuable to you in terms of the community and resources, um, and, and how has your business adapted to reopen safely or to operate safely? The hardest thing for us, uh, we work majority outside all of our employees around community areas. The biggest thing for us was getting uh, our safety coordinator um, coming in to get the guys equipped to adapt to everything that's going on. How difficult was that? Because you you do electric contracting. The guys that work inside the building was the hardest uh, because we had work along other trades like plumbing trades, concrete trades. One point we had to sit some guys home, probably five to six guys for one to two weeks because some of the other trades did not want to work uh, 
refuse to work around other trades. And you know, Dr. Rochelle Thomas with Ally Psychological Services, really excited to talk to you about how you've pivoted and adapted during this time period. LA is return to on June 4th, um, and I highlight that because one of the benefits of being a younger practice is I started with a particular HIPAA-compliant platform in place. So I started my practice with the ability to offer telehealth, but I just never tapped into that particular resource because most people prefer to meet in person. Um, once COVID hit, however, um, we were able, we could have stayed open, like physically open. It's just me. I'm a sole practitioner right now. So we could have stayed open. There's low traffic. So all of the safety precautions we were already taking, we just had to, you know, amplify that and specifically state that to our people that we're taking these precautions. Um, however, because I had some clients who work in settings that are high risk, I decided to go 100% telehealth. Um, one of the things that I thought might be a barrier were, well, no one's gonna wanna see me on a video chat, it's not the same. However, the way I implemented it, just, you know, I didn't make a big deal about it. We're gonna switch over to telehealth. Um, people were really receptive to it. They can really, if they show up to their sessions, my no-show rate is lower than it's ever been. Um, and because of that, I had an influx of referrals. Um, so I've got a pretty extensive waiting list. We're at the point that we have to hire. Corey with ScrubCan, I know that you know your business is high in demand right now. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Fortunately, you know, I got a joke to where you know people are starting to respect the cleaners now, right? The janitor. So it's uh, it's good that we, we can come to light. We were fortunate to be essential workers, you know, when all this hit. You know, people. Sometimes nothing to take away from the nurses and the fire department, but the janitors, the cleaners, right? We're in the we're in the fire every night. Some challenges was you know our culture we built here for our employees to assure them that hey, you guys are important and you'll be safe. And you know we had to reassure them, give them all their their, their safety protective equipment, you know the goggles, the gloves. So that's been just a plus for us across the board, and just you know letting people know that we are a part of the essential workers crew. We're here to help. I want to shift a little bit, if it's okay with you all. I know that in the past, uh, you know, week, our our whole nation has been hurting from not only the pandemic of COVID nineteen, but as well just the extreme um, emotional stress and physical challenges of having to deal with impact. Um, at a local level and a national level, just the racial tensions that this country has been sustaining for, for years and years. And we saw it before and you're experiencing it now during COVID and then now it's even exacerbated. And um, you know, I think it's just a broader conversation that we all need to have about disparity and the ability of especially small businesses uh, to be able to you know, be supported with equity and have equal access to opportunity. All of you are, are as business leaders, are leaders in your communities and, and are leaders um, you know, that can, uh, you know, take on roles of, of, of moral leadership as the governor referenced. I think just, you know, having that um, ability to dive into these types of uh, impacts and, and be able to be resilient and sustain your business is, is really foundational to how strong a community can um, be. Uh, so I'm just curious what some of you are, are seeing in terms of impact uh, from the recent you know, past six days of uh, protests and, and emotional toll that's taken um, our country for a ride. I have been getting lots of calls, lots of messages from clients in particular who feel really impacted by this and not just people of color, people 
that going to look like for me? Is that even going to be safe for me because everything is so tense right now? So really about like reconciliation, about being resilient and tapping into support and resources, coping resources to be able to really um, re-engage with society in a very positive, positive forward-moving way. That's been a real struggle for a lot of people now. Tara, it sounds like you want to jump in. I think that in order for us to make the economic gains that we want to make as a country, in order to really be the number one country in the world, we have got to clean up the racist practices, the systemic racial um, imbalances and injustices that are baked into our system. Corey or Wendell, if you'd like to add anything. I can only turn my view onto a black man uh, black business owner in the construction industry is very hard. You know, a black-owned electrical contractor in the Valley, it's almost one of a kind. It's very important for me to encourage um, my brothers to be in this industry that way we can make a change together, right? I just feel like I have to fight harder than the next guy. I have to be in the office, work twice as long as the other guy. It's a very hard subject for me and I feel for a lot of the people that's going through this right now I don't know I don't know we've talked about this you know what what the barriers are um, you know because there are barriers and and you're outlining them as well as challenges or just lack of opportunity right It, it speaks to our ability to be resilient because when when the governor has talked about Recovering from the pandemic and, and making sure that uh, our economy regrows, I mean, we're talking about shifting it so that it's a more equitable economy, right? Um, I think that folks today are calling on everyone to have moral leadership, and I think you know we can give it as much as we can all day long, but our challenge is how can we support businesses, make sure that our small businesses especially survive um, during this time period, are minority-owned, or you know, trying to make sure that they have resources um, that have never been there before. Um, but I, you know, I think that's easier said than done. So I agree with you. It's a really challenging topic. That you know, I, it's the only reason why I took this position. But it's also, um, it's also the biggest challenge. We won't succeed unless all regions rise together. Uh, we won't succeed unless all people, regardless of you know race or our gender or zip code, are included in economic opportunity. And um, and I think that, that that'll make a huge difference. It's what we're all committed to. So um, I really appreciate all the hard work that your businesses have been doing, especially because you're, you're beacons of hope because you've been successful um, in your business and you know, you've been able to seek support from you know, Tara and the Fresno Metro Black Chamber of Commerce. And I think that's oftentimes one of the biggest steps is, is knowing who to get support from and uh, taking advantage of that. Thank you. Have a great uh, evening, all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Wendell. Thank you, Rochelle. (laughs) Bye-bye. Goodbye. Jumping and start. I was made in California. 
about this tour is that we are getting to know the advisors who help our state's businesses connect to loans, guidance direction, resources, and more, just like the Fresno Area Hispanic Foundation and the Fresno Metro Black Chamber of Commerce, whom we spoke with today. For any business in need of help, reach out to us at business.ca.gov as we are here to help you during these challenging times. And join us next week as we visit the far north, a regional economy highly dependent on small businesses to drive growth and jobs and featuring people and businesses who are quite familiar with adaptation and resilience. California I was made in California oh.